0: Thank you for listening to Eclipsed Epics. You're tuned into Season 1, Episode 9, A Strategic Blunder of Monumental Proportions. Last we talked, Pompey was stomping out Populare uprisings in Gallia and Italia, sending Properna and 53 cohorts to Spain to reluctantly fight for Sertorius, both Philip O. and Philip Matizek agree Quintus Satorius was at a zenith, or nearing it, in the spring of 76, with Metellus and Pompey and Paperna all on the scene. They both mention he had the soldiers and the cash from the silver mines. There is some confusion with how many troops or how many legions Satorius did have here. Span says four armies, which is a modern term to describe something ancient, and they were of 60,000 men. About half of those were actual Roman legions under Paperna, so most likely Satorius had twelve legions to work with total. We get the rough distribution of his forces from Spain, and according to him, about seventy-five percent of Satorius's troops, Satorius's veterans, his North Africans, and his Iberians were in the nearer prov- province, which is the northern prov- province here in Spain. The rest of them are in the further prov- province under Hectulius. Uh, Hictor- Hict- Paperna's legions were in the south near the Liver Beatus, separate from Satorius to save privilege. Paperna's pride. We do not know the size of Pompey's army, and the best guess we have is between 20,000 and 30,000, between, which is basically between four and six legions. And we estimate Metellus is somewhere in that similar ballpark. All in all, Sertorius and Paperna were roughly equal to Metellus and Pompey, 12 on each side. But Sertorius had the advantage of interior lines, leading to easily supply access, reinforcement, and the advantage of the knowledge of the land. Another thing Sartorius had on his side was the absolute aggression of his troops, especially among the Iberians. But Sartorius had to hone that aggression if he hoped to upset the Senate's apple cart completely. And if you've seen the movie D2, The Mighty Ducks, this is the part of the movie where Coach Bombay starts taking the individual talents of new players like Julie the Cat Gaffney, Russ Taylor, Ken Wu, etc., and incorporating these skills into the team. For example, For example... Bombay's mentor Jan took a Luis Mendez whose speed was incredible but could not stop, and taught him to hone his speed and actually stop. Satorius took a bunch of violent, berserk Iberians and taught them to control their violence for the right time. And if I'm going to add something to that whole suicidal, unthinking native motif, it's probably an anachronism but that's kind of all I had to go on from the sources, so it's just kind of there. I have a sneaking suspicion it's it's an anachronism. It, it was embellished by Roman writers who were writing at this time, but yet again, this is all I have to go on. This is all the historians I read have to go on. So, that's where that is. So, Satorius tamed these beasts by giving me exactly what they wanted. When they heard of Pompey's Py- pyrenees crossing the iberians wanted to beat the romans one-on-one and once and for all Sertorius knew they could not win a pitch field battle against the senate's army so Sertorius, in what can only be described as brilliant however bloody let the iberians take the lead in a battle against pompey but smart Sertorius would manage it in a way to minimize the damage which is why i call it brilliant satorius did not want his army destroyed only roughed up enough to open its ears the iberians led a supercharged attack on pompey but soon that bar indicating their strength if this was a video game and not like real life where actual blood is being spilled was being drained almost completely the iberians therefore retreated back to a strong point and this is possibly satorius's camp we don't know this created a bottleneck effect at the entrance, putting Satorius's life in danger from the oncoming Romans. So much so that, according to Sullust, Satorius had to be hoisted over a wall to avoid capture by said Romans. Then we move rapidly from Satorius's life being in danger to him benefiting from this somehow. I don't know about you, but this whole Satorius clear ineminent danger story is in question for me. But yet, unfortunately, I can't really disagree with the Roman historian, Sallust. now can I? Anyway, as a result of this failure, Sertorius now had the Iber- Iberians fully to buy into the idea of guerrilla warfare. And that was good, because Sertorius' plan for the year 76 was caution and delay, which was a plan centered around, you guessed it, guerrilla warfare. He did not plan on confronting Pompey head-on. He ordered the same of Hortulius against Metellus and further Spain in combination with the protection of the allied cities to Sertorius. Paperna, near the sea, was asked very nicely to protect territory not lost and attack when the opportunity presented itself. On the other side, Pompey's primary je- objective was subduing the East Coast under the Senate's rule, which would bring Pompey and Sertorius to Laurenti. A town some hypothesized, which is about 50 miles from Valentia. I don't know in which direction. I just got 50 miles from Valentia. So just draw a big old circle that's 50 miles in a radius around Valentia. And that's my, maybe where that battle took place. Very exact. Okay. While Satorius was dealing with tribes nearby, Laurent defected to Pompey. Trying to seize the initiative, Pompey raced to Lauron because this could be an important meeting spot between him and Metellus to close on the Satorian forces later on down the road. But the faster, more agile, and more informed force of Satorius caught wind of this important defection and beat Sulla's pupil to the punch and took the strategic hill next to Lauron. most importantly... Pompey now had to get supplies, a.k.a. food and water, for his troops. So Pompey had to forage for what he needed. Does this story sound familiar to you? There were two areas to choose from. One was nearer, and one was obviously further from Pompey's camp. So Sertorius ordered his troops to harass the foragers going to the nearer spot, while leaving the further one unmolested, pushing Pompey to choose the longer, undefended path. Pompey further decided to send out forager foraging parties without armored guard, sure that Sertorius did not know about this honey hole. Sertorius, knowing about this spot, waited for these foraging detachments to be lulled into a false sense of security. When these foraging parties were so secure, they almost skipped to and fro. Pompey decided to send out even larger detachments, this is when Satorius made his move. The night before his planned ambush, Satorius sent a legion of heavily armored, a legion of light armored Iberians, and about a half a legion of cavalrymen to Pompey's foraging spot. All in all, it was about 12,000 men. They traveled by night as to minimize the risk of being spotted by the Romans. The force aligned itself with the light armored Iberians in the front, the cavalry in back, and the heavy in between. Once the Taurus' forces got to the place of ambush, they simply waited for Pompey's foragers to pass by them on the way back to Pompey's camp from their daily stroll for food. The next morning, Pompey's detachment did just that, weighed down by the bounty. Some even claimed that the detachment was so relaxed that the unit broke off to find even more to gather. It was here that the sunshine and unicorns turned quickly into thunderstorms and hellhounds from unknown directions satorius's lightly armored iberians darted out of the woods and began the attack the foragers were so surprised and scared they dropped everything and made a beeline for pompey's camp only to have satorius's heavy infantry cut through them to cut down the escapees almost completely the cavalry corralled them like cattle ready for slaughter Still, a few got back to Pompey to inform him of the catastrophe currently in progress. In response, Pompey sent out a legion to deal with the cavalry. Seeing the legion, the Satorian cavalry employed a tactic that the Mongols mastered, the feigned flight. The cavalry acted as if they were in full retreat, drawing Pompey's forces deeper and deeper into the forest, until Pompey's force finally encountered the rest of Satorius's force— Satorius's cavalry then wheeled around and attacked from the rear as Pompey's legion was processing this unfortunate error. So now this legion was being ground down in front by Satorius's foot troops and harassed in the back by his cavalry. The legion broke and was destroyed, including Pompey's legate, who was killed in action. Pompey, trying to save something you could call plausibly positive, mustered up the rest of his army. This was where, from that strategically advantageous position, Sertorius offered battle. Pompey was put in a lose-lose-lose situation here. If he attacked Sertorius, it would be uphill and take much needed time and energy and lives to get there, only to see Sertorius withdraw back into camp and that legion destroyed. If Pompey decided to save his legion, his back would be to Satorius, and the odds would dictate a complete Satorian victory via downhill rear attack. There was nothing left for Pompey to do, but watch that legion be destroyed, and then get out while again was not truly devastating. The death toll on Pompey's side was said to be two legions or 10,000 men, but Pompey was not the only one looking on the destruction of that legion. To the people of Laron. The destruction of that legion and the checkmate of Pompey was a demonstration of the abilities of Satorius relative to Pompey. After that demonstration, Satorius demonstrated his position on flip-floppers for the citizens. The civil leaders were led to captivity in Lusitania. He let the rest go and then razed the city to the ground. The reasons for this were threefold. First, the Iberians now saw what it meant to have Pompey's protection. It meant your home would be burnt to the ground. Second, Satorius demonstrated by letting the citizenry go that his war was against the Romans only and his clemency toward the Iberians. Now, I'm thinking about this right now. I don't know how much clemency the Iberians, who had their homes burned down, were actually thinking that Satorius showed them. I mean, yeah, you let me live, but all my shit got burned down, man. What the hell? <laughs> um, but last but not least, the leveling of Laurent made Satorius's negotiation with other cities a bit easier. Did you hear about what happened at Loran? The Battle of Loran was the absolute apex in Satorius's career in Spain and possibly overall. And I'm trying to like rack my brain about like what other high po- points? I mean serving with Marius, I mean beating the Cimbrian Teutons under Marius maybe. Um I don't know, you know, he struggled in, you know, the civil wars because he was serving under for lack of a better term dopes um and i'm trying to think what else he what else would be a high point i mean getting into the senate but that's not really uh like even like junior members like uh quaestors which is the lowest rung of roman officer basically gets in there after a military service i'm trying i'm trying like maybe if he had gotten the tribune of the plebs that would be the highest point but then he would've been killed by sulla um, yeah, I think this is probably yeah, I would call it his absolute apex. Lauron is his crown jewel. If he has something to hang his hat on, it's gotta be Loran. In my head. But Satorius did not seize on this opportunity. Philip Osbond questions why Satorius let Pompey get away. As I mentioned earlier, Quintus Satorius had Pompey dead to rights. All he had to do was attack downhill, and he didn't. Span calls Satorius's decision to not cut off Pompey's retreat north a strategic blunder of monumental proportions from a master tactician. So why didn't Satorius attack? My best guess is Satorius hoped that he would persuade the barely 30-year-old man to join him. Pompey was a man of questionable allegiances. He would go wherever the offer was better and praise was lavished upon him. Though a flaw in Sartorius' logic, if indeed that was what he was thinking, stands out like a sore thumb when you consider how satorius would have handled Pompey if he joined his side. One could see conflicts developing between the two from the start, with Pompey being a praise junkie and satorius being stingy with compliments. But let's forget about the personal mystery between the two for a second. Even in the boy butcher's demoralized state, what could Satorius logically and, you know, in real life offer Pompey to convince to join him? What could he do? Pompey was fighting this war from a, for yet more political power and dignitas. Even though the Senate was continually coming up short with men and supplies— Pompey saw his path laid out more easily with the Senate than that rebel leader in Iberia. And the most important reason Pompey would not go over to Satorius's side is Pompey, like any other prominent Roman, probably any other Roman in the world at this point, could not negotiate after a loss. It was anathema to the very fiber of the whole construct, the whole Roman mystique. You would not do that. And the people that did do that were, were, I mean, pariahs. We told that story about that dude Macrinus at negotiating with. Well, he wasn't the one negotiating with the Numantines, but Tiberius Gracchus was negotiating with the Numantines, and the Senate literally sent him back naked as a as a message to the Numantines, basically saying, "Deal off. He he cannot do this." The culture literally inculcated you in in not negotiating after losses. You negotiate from a position of strength. That is it. And you know, I'm tr- I'm just start trying to think about this lasted. You know, 400, 400 even four hundred years later. After Julian gets the emperor Julian the Apostate gets assassinated. I can't remember the battle exactly, but it's in um uh was it was a the uh yes it's the Sassanid Empire um which is like what you think of Persia uh the ancient Persian Empire and the next person elevated i think was named was Jovian and he negotiated a peace to get um the his Romans back to Rome but he was literally seen as a pariah for doing so so, it's, that, that is, like, baked into the bread of Roman culture. It really is. So, I don't see Pompey doing that. But, anyways, a dejected Pompey and his devastated army marched to Contriba, that spot uh, Satorius raised to the ground months back, to lick his wounds and camp in misery, because his campaigning season was done for 76. And next time, Satorius will make contact to negotiate a deal with the Poison King. But Satorius will now also begin his slow descent to the year 72. And all I will say is that many of the qualities that I've lauded Satorius for here, when the times were good, are going to disappear like a sandcastle when confronted with the ocean.